I want to say thank you one more time to these guys. What's up, Luke? And thank you to all of you for being here uh, tonight. It's great. We're really looking forward to uh, having a continuation in our discussion of I Belong. And tonight, we are going to brave the topic of dating. I will say that one more time. We're going to dive into the topic of dating, and we're going to solve it all tonight. Okay. Um, raise your hand if you're encouraged seeing our incredible team ministry share on Sunday uh, with Ivan from Canaan. Okay. So I want to uh, ask you to stand where you are, and you have to be really loud because we don't have time to take all the mics around, but I'd love for you to stand and share one thing that inspired you, maybe something a person shared or a site you saw, uh, but just anything that you heard from the teens or maybe the team leaders or the counselors that really encouraged you on Sunday. I was just in awe of seeing all these kids that I grew up with, you know, that are this tall and are sharing these incredible uh you know, conviction. So uh, please stand where you are. You know what? I'm going to, Scott, can I? <laughs> okay. Scott is a great, he said last, after I took all the mics everywhere, he said, I'm not ever giving you four mics again. So hold on. Did I just, did I just break my own rule? Okay. Because we got to give John Thomas a mic. Oh, John, ladies and gentlemen, John Thomas. I just, um, the thing for me was the teens um, coming back from camp and the way they galvanized around the whole situation with Jacob Thurston. Um, I, I thought that, uh, to me, that was very mature because they didn't run into their own neutral corners behind something that was, could have been hard to uh, take on. But instead, they drew to each other, and they allowed it to be a time to be able to come closer to themselves and closer to God. And so I was really uh, impacted by that and really honored to be a part of it. Um, I guess I was really encouraged to see that from all of the lessons that they heard at teen camp, they all took something that they personally learned, and it was great to see that they were able to express and share that, I feel like, really eloquently. And then just to know that the church is definitely going to be taken care of in the future. And it's good to see that, you know, as there's so many valuable people here, I feel like the next generation will be just as amazing. Yes. And that's what I took from it. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, so um, are you ready to hear some good news? Encouraging? Oh, that's not enough. I need some more. I need some more. Okay. And this is really, really, really cool. Were you going to share something, Max? Okay. Where's the... Uh, okay. Who has the mic? Derek, who has the mic? Can you uh, give it to John? What's up, Max? Hi, everyone. Can you hear me? Okay. So the teams were amazing. So one of the things that stuck out, I don't remember the age, but they're a teenager. And she shared. Closer. She shared that sometimes we can be so into who we are and what we're working on and we want to sit on a throne about our importance mm -hmm. and she says there's only one person who actually sits on the throne 
and we have to remember sometimes, you know, the Lord will say, move over, you're in my seat. So I thought that was cute, and I said, oh my gosh, and they're so young and so amazing. And I shared that outside after service with Brenda. She says, did you get that too? Me too, girl. Let's exchange phone numbers, because any minute we'll text each other and say, are you on the phone today? (laughs) So that was cute, so I wanted to share that. (laughs) I think Ricardo was behind you. Excellent. Get off the throne. Uh, So I really liked what Jasmine Terrace shared, uh, so much so that uh, I asked to to have her notes from what she shared, and she shared it with me. Uh, but, you know, just what she said about uh, what the kingdom is, what so many of them shared about what the kingdom is, was really uh, enlightening. But uh, what she said within the kingdom, um, that she is capable, she is worthy, she is loved, and that she is enough, uh, it just made my heart feel good to hear her say that and to, to believe it, but it also was like, I need to say that to myself. Uh, so I loved it. Yeah. Miles of teams. How cool. Well, thank you. Okay, so uh, please do uh, encourage. That's so great. Um, can you share that? Can you text me what she wrote? Uh, maybe you want to get permission. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, but I would love it. Um, but um, I, we have some really great news. There's going to be a baptism on Sunday coming up. And uh, for those of you that were here uh, last midweek or that have gotten a chance to meet uh, this remarkable couple, over the past uh, several weeks. Uh, They have inspired uh, so many that have been involved in their studies and those of us who have gotten to know them uh, by their just pure hearted devotion, their love for the word, their transformation in themselves and in their children. And so I'm happy to announce that this Sunday, Felipe and Lindy Alcantara are gonna be baptized. So can you guys stand up please? Stand up, thank you. So uh, we'll, we'll send out the, the, the details, but I have to say that just, it's just so thrilling. And we love you guys. We're inspired by you and uh, can't wait to see what God continues to do. Uh, but you have the distinction. I don't know if every, anyone has ever spoken at midweek before they were baptized. So well done. And that shows what God's already doing in your life. And I think the quote was, what was that quote, David? My husband was strong for me, but gentle with me. And I asked uh, uh, David to text me that. So I'm put that on a t-shirt like Charles Barkley says. Um, so very cool. Okay, so uh, we are gonna try to uh, delve into the realm of dating uh, tonight. And of course, it's a really simple, easy uh, handle topic. And there is unity of opinion on it. It's not like there's a, a wide range of thoughts on it. So. We'll be able to nail it and move on to uh, other more complex issues. But uh, this was uh, something I wanted to start out with. And uh, this was cool that uh, Trey found. Um, The US Census in 2017 has that there are 110 million uh, people who are single in the United States. And so that's approximately half of the population, 45% of the population. And so, Figuring out how to have great guy-girl interactions, uh, not only among the singles, but then among our teens and across the board through different ages and stages 
is very complex. And it's not a, 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 a situation that just the church is grappling with, but our society as a whole has changed drastically in our lifetime. Uh, the, the percentage of people who are single versus married is much different. People are, are getting married at an older time. And so it's, it's changing all of how we function. And so I hope that we get that we're fortunate that we have a faith community that is helping us navigate this. And you think it's challenging in a church like this. How much more challenging if you are out there on your own in the realm of the prince of this world? So we're not in heaven yet, although we love the Envision Center, this is not heaven. But on our worst day, it's better than being out there. And I, I honestly think that having that perspective uh, will help us. Um, I do want to bring up uh, somebody that, well, actually, you know, I want to read a scripture first before I bring up uh, our first uh, sharer. We're going to have, try to have many people uh, sharing tonight. But I wanted to read this passage um, <clears throat> from 1 Corinthians 10. And uh, of course, we've been studying 1 Corinthians, right? And we've been getting a lot out of it. There's so much, wow, you could actually live your whole life in 1 Corinthians. You really could, your whole spiritual walk. Uh, we haven't been able to cover all of it, but this is one of those passages that we've read many times before. And as you, uh, hopefully you're aware that uh, there wasn't dating as we view it in the New Testament, right? There, they had they had different, yeah, it was, it was different, right? <laughs> uh, it was a whole different system, right? Arranged marriages and all that. And so we don't have sort of a point and shoot, go to this chapter, this verse for a specific date this way. But there are obviously spiritual principles that are universal and that we want to apply. And one of the ones that I thought would be good to look at as sort of a, an, an overarching theme, not just for the area of dating, but any area, is a Paul continuing to talk to the church in uh, 1 Corinthians 10. And I have three different, or two different translations, or no, uh, three translations. And this one is from the Passion Translation, TPT, which is a, a sort of a modern paraphrase. And Paul says to them, and he's, he's talking that so many issues they're dealing with, uh, whether it's appropriate for uh, ministers to be, uh, to earn their living doing ministry, food sacrifice to idols, all these other things. But he says, you say under grace, there are no rules and we're free to do anything we please. Now let me pause for a minute. Do you, have you, has anyone ever said that to you? Has anyone ever expressed that sentiment? Have you ever felt that? The answer to all those is yes, okay? So just not. Okay, so let me read it again. You say under grace, and certainly we're under grace, right? Not under law, we're under the new covenant. Thank God. You say under grace there are no rules and we're free to do anything we please. Not exactly. But not everything promotes growth in others. Your slogan, we're allowed to do anything we choose, he's quoting a Corinthian slogan, may be true, but not everything causes the spiritual advancement of others. So while I may be free in grace, that doesn't give me license to do anything. Uh, this is the voice translation. 
There's a slogan often quoted on matters like this. All things are permitted, yes, but not all things are beneficial. All things are permitted, they say, yes, but not all things build up and strengthen others in the body. And so he's using an extra biblical quote, sort of a contemporary quote, and he's saying, yes, that's true in one application, but it is not true in all applications. And for the person that's just living for themselves, that may be true, but for the person uh, that belongs to other people and to whom other people belong, to the people that are covenanted in relationship together, it's gotta be more than just, I'm free to do whatever, I need to invest in things that build up and strengthen others. And then the last translation is the one I grew up, this is NIV, but this is 1978 NIV, right? Now I don't know if it's, if it's still okay, right? But, uh, but that's the one, it's funny, the old, old timers like me, we remember the, the, you know, when we, the memory verses in our old translation, you know, I think there've been three or four iterations, TNIV and then 2011 other things. But uh, let's read this together. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. So that sort of hopefully will set the tone as we try to talk about, we're gonna come out, and, and I have to give credit, um, there's some, Cece worked a lot on this among other people, but there are a lot of, she, there are several scenarios that we're gonna go through that you will probably find familiar, and then we're gonna ask as many of you as we have time to come up to the mice and share the experience that you've had that relates to one of these particular scenarios. So this is a congregational group participation night. But before we do that, uh, I wanna bring up, uh, do we have a slide for him? Okay, we don't have a slide for him, but he's so, he, he's, he's so amazing, he doesn't need a slide, right? He's his own, all right? And uh, he's gonna share some, uh, he did some research along this topic for organic uh, among the singles, and he's gonna share some of his findings, rapid fire. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Blake Parson. All right, can you guys hear me? Yep. Great, so um, these are four barriers that I found um, that prevent brothers and sisters from developing a deeper friendship just over the course of a year of talking to different people, uh, mostly in our ministry, but a couple of people as well outside of our ministry. So this is, these are the four things that um, everyone pretty much agreed on um, or mentioned was a barrier to them or people that they've seen. So the first barrier is inequality of effort, which just means that one person in the guy-girl friendship is putting forth more effort than the other person, and because of that, the friendship never really builds. So that could be due to inauthenticity. Someone says, yeah, let's hang out, but they don't really mean it. It could be due to life space, a difficult situation, um, a new work environment, something like that, preventing them from being able to give that energy or they're just ill-equipped, meaning they don't really have the conversational skills yet to really develop a deeper friendship. So those are the three things that make up the first barrier, inequality of effort. The second barrier is fear of unequal intentions, uh, meaning that either you are afraid of the other person developing a romantic interest in you, you are afraid that the other person will interpret your effort to build a friendship as romantic interest in them, or there's a fear of a third party viewing your developing friendship as a romantic interest. So that's the second barrier, fear of unequal intentions. 
Um, third barrier is unresolved or unchallenged past experiences. Um, so past experiences, past hurts specifically, with the opposite sex can sort of jade how we view the opposite sex, how we expect them to respond to us, um, and even extinguish our desire to build a friendship with them. And the last barrier is the fear of breaking extra biblical rules, meaning uh, fear of breaking an expectation that is culturally created rather than biblically instructed. Um, so this most often played out, like for example, with sisters talking to brothers and everything, the conversation gets a little bit deeper, and then now there's a red alert saying this is wrong, I can't talk about deep stuff, something is like too intimate here, it's bad. Um, but there was no foundation in the scriptures about you can't have deep conversations, it just felt like culturally it was inappropriate to do so, and that lingering thought made a limitation in them being able to build a friendship that was more than surface level. So those are the four barriers that uh, came up most commonly among people trying to build deeper brother-sister friendships. It's still <laughs> got some things going on. So um, in just a minute, uh, David is going to take over and we're going to have some people come up and share uh, that are going to be on a panel. But I want to say this to all of the marrieds that are here. Uh, I feel like our children, those of us, whether we're single or married and have children, our children get the benefit of growing up in a community and they're cared for not just by their parents, but they have aunts and uncles and cousins galore and we take care of each other, right? All of us belong to each other. Uh, and for the the, those of us that are married, I think this is a great opportunity for us to heighten our sensitivity to what our single brothers and sisters are trying and having to navigate on a daily basis having more compassion and more intentionality. And I know we have some incredible marriage who are so invested in helping uh, foster a great singles community, but I really want us to lean in uh, because we're all in this together. And what, what someone else experiences in a different uh, demographic, I need to feel, right? When one part rejoices, all parts rejoice with it. When one part suffers, all suffer with it. And so uh, that being said, we're all in it together. And now I want to ask us to welcome David Bruce. Thank you, sir. Okay, um, going back to the message or the scripture that Kevin just read, I like this thing. Under grace, there are no rules, and we're free to do anything we please. Um, you know, Romans 8, 6 says that the mind governed by the Spirit is what? Life and peace, right? And there's a really uh, excellent quote that I just was talking about with Robbie Noel a few months ago. And I'm going to I'm going to butcher it, but the quote was basically this. May there be hundreds of rules or may there be many, many rules in what air, whatever area of your life, the spirit is not leading you. Does it let me say it again. So wherever whatever in your life, the spirit is not leading and not guiding you. In that area, let there be lots and lots of rules. Now, is that quote about legalism? Not necessarily. I don't think it is. Uh, when I was a young Christian, I had a lot of uh, very helpful rules that were helping me in this transition of learning how to follow and submit to the Spirit. Did everyone get baptized and immediately know exactly how to follow the Spirit? 
Sorry, Felipe and Lindy. Sunday's awesome. However, Sunday is birth. It is birth. <laughs> the spirit's in, and then it just it begins, right? And you're in a you're in a learning process for the rest of your life, I hope. But I'm just saying that um, I think a lot of these issues get very complicated because I think what ends up happening is we start exchanging our stories and I, certain rules that really helped me, right? Based on where I was at in my maturity and my spirituality, that can be taken over by somebody else or applied to someone else without maybe necessarily considering where they are at spiritually and where the spirit is leading them. So I'm just saying, um, I don't want us to be um, anti-rules. I just want us to be very pro-spirit and also very honest with each other. What areas of my life is the spirit not strong right now? You know, uh, I lead a PR group uh, every Sunday. I, oh, I'm sorry. I lead a pure recovery group every week. And you know, this, this is, uh, I find it to be the most brave men to have a conversation with every week, and CR does the same thing. They're having conversations about areas in their life where they are learning how to let the Spirit govern. But while I'm learning that, I've got these guardrails, right, sometimes, some rules or some uh, skills that I'm applying in my life as I mature and grow. This is why I think recovery is a, an essential thing for all of us to figure out. But Nonetheless, I want to get back to a few other passages that uh, Cece and I were talking about last night in terms of applying to the subject of dating. Ephesians 5, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. And the church said, Amen. Thank you very much. Don't let anyone deceive you with empty words. Or, or just opinions. Live as children of light, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Don't be foolish. That's a summary of 17 verses that my wife crammed in that screen right there. So great job, Cece. Go home and study some more. But I'm just saying, for brothers and sisters, just to have a conversation on passages like this, I'm, I, I know meditating and discussing verses like this, this is how we develop the spirit to govern our minds better. Because to wrestle through that one, how do you find loopholes? It's hard to create loopholes when you're reading. There must not be even a hint of sexual morality. You can't turn around and have a conversation about how much can I get away with without it being sin. You're going to go the other direction, right? I think this is how the Bible helps form us so that we are being led by the Holy Spirit. Philippians 2, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Um, I just have to share some um, spiritual formation practice that was done at teen camp last week. Are you guys interested? Yeah. You're all impressed with those teens, right, on Sunday, but let me share a little bit about how we help them. Uh, Jay does this excellent thing every year when he's getting together with the counselors. 
he teaches them this very helpful tool to deal with arguing and complaining. Did you guys know that teenagers sometimes grumble and argue? Now, it's only adolescents. Of course, when you're an adult, you outgrow that and you don't do it anymore. God will punish me for lying. But anyway, so my point is, Jay coaches the counselors to have this very automatic response when they, are, when they feel like their campers are, are this close to complaining or grumbling. And the quote is, Lilian was trained well. Listen, this is awesome. The situation is awesome. Now, it's not saying live in denial. It's not saying shut up, but there are areas in our life where I want to grumble and I want to argue, but just that one quote, just that thought, okay, this is awesome. In some way, I can wrap my head around this where I can think about this as a good thing. I thought about 1 Thessalonians 5 that says, rejoice always, pray continually, and what else? Give thanks in all circumstances. I mean, to me, you could translate that into three words. This is awesome. <laughs> there is a way to look at whatever circumstance I'm going through in my life, and I can find a way, and I'm not saying, I think joy is not happy. Happy is, you know, ah, everything's great. But joy is a little bit different. It's, a, it's, a, it's joy is, is a state of peace. It's a, it's a place of surrender, and I trust God with what's going on in my life. I think it's why James uses that word as well. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of any kind. He's not saying live in denial, but you're learning in a way, how do I submit to God when my circumstances, whether it's in my dating, whether it's in my lack of dating, whether it's I've been single too long or I haven't been single enough or whatever, being content and finding that way to have joy with God. In Romans 14, 19, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Make every effort. Now, this is why I'm so grateful what Kevin just said to all the marrieds. Um, I, I agree with that 100%. Marrieds, we can't get married and, and move on and live happily ever after. We are still in a body. We are still in a body with many parts, and uh, I just want to publicly thank the Beans. I want to thank the Chungs. And I want to thank the Lopezes. And uh, the Speaks, I think, are showing some curiosity. They're, they're coming on board, but these are some marrieds who are not just in their little married world, they are very aware <laughs> that there are singles in our, in our ministry that need to be considered, they need to be heard, they need to be supported, they need to be thought of, and then some of them start dating, they wanna support that, so I'm just saying, that is, I think, a excellent model for all of us. Whatever God has given you, we gotta make sure that we are being generous with that, and we're being sensitive with that. Okay, so um, I'm gonna ask my wife to come up my lovely wife. So um, let's share a couple of things of what we're going for tonight. Number one, what do we all want? A church where if I'm single, I can be seen, I can be accepted, 
feel loved, see God in others by having safe and encouraging dates with other singles of the opposite sex. Does that sound good? Okay. Uh, intentions. There are two different goals that someone can have in mind when going on a date. I think Blake addressed this pretty thoroughly earlier. But to find a potential partner or to simply encourage someone else, both are valid goals. And then some helpful definitions. Uh, encouragement date. Pure encouragement, no strings attached, no hidden agendas. Building with someone, getting ready to ask someone to be a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, you're exclusive, special, but not married. If you break up, it, it's not the end of the world. Uh, but you've learned something, you've moved forward. Uh, engaged, you're getting married, but it hasn't happened yet, so you are technically still single. Yes. Did I get all those? Yeah. My wife is awesome. Okay, here we go. So now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go through, I think, seven dilemmas. These are just dilemmas that have come to our attention from at some point in our Christian lives. And what I want to do is I want to walk through all seven dilemmas. And as you listen to them, you may have a personal experience that relates to that dilemma. That relates to that dilemma. Okay? So we're going to, then we're going to go back to the number one, the first dilemma. And I would love to encourage at least three or four people for each dilemma to come up and share something from an I, me, and my perspective of how you've maybe experienced that dilemma yourself or how you help someone with that dilemma. Because do we have dilemmas? Yes, yeah. We all got a lot of dilemmas, okay? Now, here's the thing. I do want to emphasize one thing. Jesus said this uh, in Matthew 11. He said, wisdom is proven right by its children. Or wisdom is proven right by its actions. Please keep that in mind, that when it comes to dating, I think it's very, very important that we are gathering wisdom and not opinions. And there's a big difference, okay? Opinions, I can have opinions all day long and have nothing in my life to support that opinion in terms of it actually working or having some effect. But wisdom has been proven, it's been tested. I've been there, I've done that, I've experienced, and now I have wisdom, not just an opinion. So I do want to preface that. Tonight, I really want us to be blessed with a lot of wisdom from one another. Does that, does the distinction make sense? Okay, all right. So you ready? We're gonna go through seven dilemmas. Uh, Sister Susie. Cece made up all these names, so this is not, these are all fictitious. All right, nobody is asking me on a date. I feel invisible, unloved, tempted by the attention I get outside of the church, tired of trying to do my part in being giving and planning dates that go unreciprocated. You wanna ask your questions? That's not all. Okay, I'll just stand closer to you. Amen. The question for this is how do we solve that? Do we make encouragement dating mandatory? Do we force, keep rosters, arrange dates, or do we wait for somebody to be prompted by the Spirit to take Susie out on a date? Okay, that's your dilemma. If you have an answer for that, you're gonna come up in just a little bit. All right. Uh, Brother Bob. I've done my share of encouragement dates. I'm burned out. 
I don't see any prospects. I'm tired of being told I'm failing as a man because I don't take sisters out every week. Stop telling me what to do. Sorry. We got some people with feelings about Bob. How do... Question for we you to come. Bob. Yes. Help Question for you to come up here and answer is: How do we encourage Bob to see the value of encouraging sisters on a regular basis, or do we just let Bob be? Bob be. All right. Leave him alone. You get your next one ready, right? Yep. Okay. Dilemma three: No prospects. There are not that many singles to choose from. There is no one for me here. Do we then say, since you don't see any prospect here, you can date anyone, uh, you can date anyone as long as they are a believer, according to 1 Corinthians 7.39, or should we all try our best to grow the singles ministry by evangelizing and baptizing more singles so we don't have that problem anymore? Okay. You seem to be answering the question. Anyway, whatever. Okay. Uh, dilemma four, freedom to choose. I believe it is no one else's business whom I date and eventually marry. Does someone who chooses to do their own thing forfeit the benefits of spiritual premarital counseling? I'm just asking. Do we leave it alone with a you reap what, reap what you sow? Galatians Six, seven. Right. Okay. Dilemma five, safety. I don't feel safe going on a date with a random brother that doesn't have the Bible as the standard the same way that I do. There are creepy brothers that make me feel nervous when they talk to me. Okay, you are laughing, okay? I'm glad you're laughing because that means we don't have this dilemma at all. That's right, that's right. But how is, okay, on, on, a, on, a, on a serious note, how is a sister to know that she can be safe going on a date with a brother if there is no accountability, no discipling, no proof that he has godly standards? Is dating in the church the same as in the world where you need to bring pepper spray and be on your guard? Okay. Freedom brings everything, right? <laughs> Dilemma number six, purity. I have convictions about not having sex with someone whom I'm not married to, but somehow I still ended up sleeping with someone I feel so broken spiritually. Every disciple has gone through a sin study and is well aware of what the Bible teaches. But how come we still have several single people every year within our church who end up sexually involved with somebody else. Dilemma number seven, I have so many fears about messing up and about talking to people of the opposite sex. I can't build normal friendships. I'm awkward, I have no skills, and I need help. How do we encourage the timid? How do we help the insecure to step out in faith and come out of their shell? Okay. Last one. Last one. Number eight. 
I don't like stupid restrictions from others. And because I have a rebellious nature, I am prone to do the opposite of what you think I should do. But I also want to be wise, and I don't want to make a big mistake and ruin my relationships. Who should decide what boundaries a single person should have? And who should decide what boundaries a dating couple should have? And why are healthy boundaries important? So everybody take a deep breath. Now we feel the burden of ministry, people. This is it. This is being in a body. And this is why we all need one another, right? Because we are going through this together. So I'm going to go back to dilemma number one. With all God, things are possible, though. So uh, can I invite the Uptons? Would you guys mind coming up? We've got four seats up here. And uh, I'm going to surrender this mic. And what we're going to do is we're going to go back to dilemma number one. Can you guys sit over there? Oh, what's better for you, Mike? They're standing here. Yeah. Okay, so what we'll do is we'll have like four or five people just standing here who would like to respond to dilemma number one with Sister Susie. Nobody's asking me on a date. I feel invisible, unloved, tempted by the attention I get outside of church, tired of trying to do my part in being giving and planning dates that go unreciprocated. Is and while, that real? Is that scenario real? Does anybody have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Is that a real dilemma that you guys have heard or experienced or helped somebody with, right? Okay. How would you respond or help us with that? Can you go with that? Come on, people. Hi, everyone. So unfortunately, that's true. I've been, I have been going through some hard times myself in dating. But um, what I realized, one thing is devote yourself to the Lord. That's all I can say. I mean, that, that's ultimately where you're going. This is, that's our purpose. And this world is just for a few minutes when you look at eternity. So it's not worth it. Personally, I prefer to be single for the rest of my life than going somewhere and finding somebody that I can end up afterwards in hell. So to me personally, that's not really even a decision to make. It's the choice to go for. So there is this also scripture in the Bible, I can't f um, find it right now because you know it's a really quick question, but um, it says that the single woman should focus on the Lord and pray and not give in to you know, gathering together, drinking wine and gossiping. And I think that falls along those lines for me. So I personally feel like, you know what, that's not a choice. We chose to follow God and if we are devoted to God, God is almighty and powerful. He can do anything. He made the world in seven days, right? So actually in six, because on the seventh he rested. So if he can do that, I don't believe that he will not allow us to have a date. You know, I mean, you, yeah, you have to go out there and make the, um, relationships and friendships, but what comes out of it is basically what God decides. And if we try to take ourselves out of it and do it our way, then we will end up hurting. So that's, that's my job. I said my name is Aneta. Thank you. Sorry, I'm chewing gum, and that's really bad when you're public speaking. But um, 
The scripture, Hebrews 3.13, it says, oh, I'm Tori, sorry. But encourage each other, sorry, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Um, And I believe that encouragement dating came from this scripture, the idea that the point is we're supposed to be encouraging each other daily, but dating isn't the only way that you fulfill that scripture. There's lots of ways that you can be encouraged. You can hang out with people, you can build friendships, have people over, cook together, shop together, do laundry together. I think it's a lot more about doing life together and encouragement dates are fun. It's fun to have those relationships, but it's not the only way that we can live life together. It's not the only way we can have partnership together. Studying the Bible with somebody is a lot more fun than going on a date with people. Um, And I think if we can change our mindsets that to be encouraged isn't a date, to be encouraged is that we get the opportunity to live free lives, that we are no longer entangled by sin, that we get to be vulnerable with one another and build each other up, it won't be as big of a defeat when you're not asked on that date. I appreciate all those. Uh, I just have a little something to say that it's a little tangential, but basically, I my daughter who's single, uh, I have one married, one single, but she told me, Dad, you actually taught me what to look for in a man because when you took me out on dates, it set the standard for how I should be treated by a man. And I just want to encourage the parents. I know this is kind of a little bit of a, you know, end around here, but parents, uh, fathers hanging out with your sons, moms and their sons, you know, all the relationships there, your kids need individual times and to make them special, go out, get a bite to eat or something. I think you, you teach your kids a lot by treating them in that way that they then, when they become a dating age, that they're ready to take that on and be responsible in that. Um, I want to add one thing to that. Uh, I appreciate what you just said about dads, but you know, for many of us, we weren't taught that maybe in our upbringing or even in our adult dating life. We maybe were never shown how to be treated properly, which is why I would extend that to, this is for brothers and sisters. I think we need to help teach one another how to be really treated with honor and dignity. I mean, that's part of, I think, what we're doing on a date is I'm, I'm teaching, I'm showing this other person that they are worthy of being treated with respect and dignity. That's what we're doing. We're teaching one another that, I think. So there's another little agenda there, I think. All right, Delimber, uh, Darlene. I'm Darlene Bell Grayson, and I was not baptized here. I was baptized in our sister church in New York City, and I have been a single disciple for 31 years. I have never been married. I have never dated in the kingdom ever. I have never, ever gone out with a man who was not a disciple of Jesus Christ ever. I am not one of the women that goes to worldly dating sites looking for men to go out on a date with because in my awesomeness, he's just going to follow Jesus. It doesn't happen. However, I have said all these words. I had a, a meltdown in the leaders' meeting and said half of this, actually almost all of it. 
about a year and a half ago. And even though I, all these things are, cre are awesome, it, it's, there's nothing like studying the Bible with people and helping people become Christians. However, the Lord did, did say, it is not good for a man to be alone. Therefore, I will make a helper suitable for him. And there is a side of a woman that only a man brings out. When I'm on a date with a brother, there's a side of me that only comes out when I'm interacting with men. And a lot of times I feel awkward or uncomfortable because I haven't learned how to deal with that as well as I have in relationships with women. So I'm not one of those that, I can't tell you that honestly, I want to be single for the rest of my life. And I think for women or men that want that, that's fine. I don't desire it. I don't pray for that. And I tell God honestly how I feel about it. And so it's loud, it's tears, it's a lot of stuff. And then he has brothers asking me out on dates. I don't know. That's all I can tell you. Oh, <laughs> Arlene, thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right, next dilemma. This, uh, this is so wonderful. Um, okay, Brother Bob. I've done my share of encouragement dates. I'm burnt out. I don't see any prospects. I'm tired of being told I'm failing as a man because I don't take sisters out every week. Stop telling me what to do. Has anyone ever helped a guy like Bob or been a guy like Bob? Come on up. Uh, evening, everyone. My, my name is Cesar Hernandez. Uh, I'm actually uh, Gina Garcia's boyfriend. And, uh, and so what, when, when this dilemma came up, I could totally relate. Uh, being a single brother in our family churches for the last 27 years, um, I've definitely have felt burnt out at different times and, uh, or feeling like a loser in the fellowship or what have you, having all my friends be married off and so on. And, I'm just like, you know, the last one, a remnant, hanging out with millennials when I'm in my mid-40s. That's not fun. And so I, I wanted to share um, scripture here in, in, in Luke 5, verse 18. The uh, Bible says, some men came carrying, carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, I know in this particular situation, this is kind of a salvation situation, but um, I can relate, though, with the paralytic where he was, he was paralyzed. And, and I know there have been, like, years where I felt paralyzed in my dating and thinking that, like, I think I've done everything, you know, um, quote unquote, playing the, the dating, you know, the church rule book and so on, and um, having the years go by. And, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, in this scenario, it was, uh, he, had, he had, fortunately he had some friends who actually like cared about him and said, man, how can we help him out? You know, he's, and so I think beating someone or a brother, like, man, why aren't you taking sisters out, da da da, da and giving them the guilt trip, and like, whoa, time out. You know, like, okay, what does he need coaching with? 
What does he need help with? You know, there's something, maybe he, you know, insecurities or what have you that, that he needs help with. And when, if you're able to help him overcome that, if you're helping to help him kind of regain some confidence, you know, you won't have to beat him over the stick. He's going to be taking scissors out every week, you know, because he he's found that new confidence. So just want to share that. Misha, uh, to, his, to his point, I think it is, wouldn't you say it is sometimes easier to guilt someone than to serve someone? Serving someone takes a little bit more time. I mean, you know, they do it in the world all the time. How can I help you? I think we need to borrow that sometimes. And in difficult situations, just figure that out. How can I help you? What, how, what would be most helpful to you for, that I can give you or offer you? So, Misha, you ready? Come on. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be fast. Um, my name is Misha Yarovinsky. Um, so I remember when I wasn't doing so well and I was kind of bummed out, right? And uh, I wasn't feeling like this. But I wasn't going on dates, you know? Um, financially, it was rough. Um, spiritually, it was rough, but I was still trying. But this really spiritual sister who's here today, really mature sister, took me on a date and just encouraged me, you know? And uh, after that, I was like, oh, this is what I need to do for other people, you know? And that sister is Mel, and she's right there. <laughs> Yeah, man. I don't know if any guys or sisters felt sad, you know, and they just prayed and was like, hey, God, help me feel better, you know, or whatever. And God answered, right? But in the same way, think about sisters, dude, you know, like, I don't know, like, uh, I kind of forgot what I was going to say, but, <laughs> but, but, um, I think, as, as the scripture says, encourage one another daily, but not only because the scripture says it, but also think about yourself. You know, like, it's hard for you sometimes. You know, it's hard for other people. Just spread the love. It doesn't have to be, I'm dating this person, I'm going after this person. But just spread the love just because, you know? Amen. Yeah. Awesome. Thomas. Thomas. By the way, excellent example of how when you bless someone else, right, you have no idea how you may transform that person by just giving to them, right? I mean, Misha just shared it. He had that experience, and boom, he got it. Okay. Introduce yourself. Uh, hey, my name is Thomas. Uh, I've never felt like Brother Bob, but I've known uh, several brothers who at times in their uh, singlehood they have, and I've, held, I've heard that excuse. I've heard, sorry, I've, I've heard those words, and I get it. <laughs> it's, it, I just, sorry. But, uh, so uh, what I've learned and how I react to that and how I would try to uh, help Brother Bob, what I would offer is that there's a lot of reasons to um, Initiate encouragement day with sisters. It's one of my favorite things to do the what I've learned in the uh, Recently in the last year or so is the more I do it The more I enjoy it because the big thing is that God reveals his character to me through the sisters things that I, I can't 
normally get through my homies and my boys, like uh, God's, all his feminine qualities, like his mercy, his grace, um, how beautiful he is. All of those things I see through the sisters I encourage, and I'm like, yo, wow, there's no reason why I can't, uh, there's a lot of reasons why you can choose not to do it. Um, but I'm getting something out of it too, and I don't have expectations. It's usually about encouraging the sister, getting to know her, but it's such a great bonus that I get to make a friend and make these connections, and then I get to know God even more deeply through these things. Thanks. Um, so I've heard this, um, you know, inside and outside of this ministry specifically, uh, from other brothers, and I think one thing that stands out from this example of Brother Bob is um, I don't see any prospects, and then the stop telling me what to do. Um, often there is a, a vibe of this is not really doing anything for me, so then why would I do this? Um, and the first thing I usually want to address is sort of if they feel like uh, there is pressure on them to do this, or else they're a bad disciple. Um, and if they're coming at it from an angle of, you know, what do I have to do to be a good disciple, it's going to be really rough to try to fit in that box of, you know, unless you're doing this every weekend, you're, you're doing it wrong. And definitely trying to empathize and saying, you're right, you know, you don't have to do this every single weekend just to feel like you're right with God. Like, that's not the pressure you want to have on you, so I am with you there. It, it is not necessary for you to do that for your salvation, anything like that, or to even not be looked down on. Um, but instead... Um, shifting the focus to maybe the friendships they have with the sisters, because some of the men I respect the most that were really active in the dating scene had just great friendships with the sisters and knew them and knew that spending time with them was amazing, and so they went on a ton of dates. And those that didn't go on dates at all, I would ask, you know, who are you close to that are sisters? And like, they're not close to anyone. It's like, okay, well, if you don't know the benefit of the friendship there, of course you're not going to go for it. I don't blame you for that. But instead saying, hey, if you have concerns with, you know, hey, I don't think going on dates is that important, you know, have that conversation with one of the sisters. And then just, just talk about what you think. And a lot of times they can even change their mind by realizing, you know, oh, there's needs that are there that are real. And there's a benefit to having this relationship beyond just what can I get if it's not a prospect for marriage or if it's not going to immediately meet my needs. Like there is a benefit of that friendship that's there. So trying to address... Um, the, yeah, relational benefit rather than trying to, um, I don't know, maneuver my way into convincing them that there is a biblical requirement for them to do so for their salvation is a much better angle. Okay, so I just want to keep in mind we're on dilemma number two. We've got eight. Hoel's going to come up and share really quickly about number two, and then we're going to move a little faster through the rest of the dilemmas. I'm very sorry. All right, Hoel. Come on. Hello, everyone. Um, my wife, Balin, told me, so I'm here. <laughs> uh, for me, when he says, I, I have done my share of encouragement dates, so what made me think about it is, uh, when I became a disciple, like, like, oi, I'm patient. So, but I, I, I don't qualify. I'm not the one who qualifies me how patient I am, how. So my point is, God says when I'm going to be really patient. So my standards are here. This is my patience, and I think I'm, I'm patient enough, but God's standards are here. So 
uh, going on dates, you know. Yes, uh, we get encouragement, uh, we get discouraged. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, although all, the, all this part, uh, went through my head, but uh, for me, what it helped me is uh, every time I will um, uh, wanted to encourage a sister, I will uh, pray. I will pray, God, help me encourage her. Help me love her as she needs to be loved according to your will. You know, so that's, that will be my, my, um, yeah, my, my, my advice. So that's what I did with, with my wife. You know, I was uh, encouraging all her sisters and, you know, respecting them all the, all the time, you know. But again, always praying, always praying, and God bless me. So thank you. Okay, dilemma number three. There are not that many singles to choose from. There is no one for me here. Yes. Wendy. And I need one more person who can come in. Yes. Oh, Nadia. Awesome. Did you get voluntold by your husband? No, just kidding. Okay. Hi. I'm Wendy Richardson. And hi, um, when, before I met Mark, I was dating for nine months. I was part of the North region, didn't work out. Um, the brother really wasn't giving his heart. I gave my heart to him. And then I felt like, oh God, there's nobody here for me. And after that point, dating this brother, I prayed every day, every day for my boyfriend. And I prayed for the qualities that he would, that I, that I thought God, that was godly. And Mark came along, and it was through a blind date. So what I'm saying is, you're saying no one's here for you, is what you're saying, uh, this person, or whoever says this, is that what you're saying is, God doesn't have a plan for me. God's not looking out for me. And you are, you're being faithless. And I want to say that out of love, it's not out of um, I'm being mean or anything, but that's just being faithless. And it's about just prayer. I mean, a lot of people have mentioned prayer, and it's um, that is not our purpose in life anyways. And, but at the same time, sorry, at the same time, God wants us to give our desires of a heart. And we leave it there in prayer. And I believe that God blesses that. When we put him first, when we're thinking about other people, when we're thinking about the ministry and about um, out there sharing our faith and studying the Bible with people, God blesses it. Somehow, some way, God does it. So there are prospects, and God is looking out for you. Uh, hello, my name is Nadia. Um, What's your last name? Um, my last name is Mendoza. That's right. <laughs> uh, so uh, I've been a single disciple for 18 years in a church that never been more than 55 disciples. Uh, and uh, our singles group, I don't remember that it ever became more than 20. Like for last maybe 10 years or more, there have been uh, nearly seven, eight sisters and um, nearly six brothers single. So um, it was even like with home to go on dates, it's not uh, like we knew each other. 
very well. And even the thing was that <laughs> I wanted to share for the first uh, dilemma, the thing was we even decided like to go on a date, let's just go for a cup of coffee. And that what worked for us, and we enjoyed that cup of coffee more than a date. Um, <laughs> uh, but about uh, this dilemma, there is no one for me here. Uh, that was uh, like um, very real for me uh, that there is no one for me here. And even I was very active, I joined um, almost all conferences, retreats, um, and so on, where were hundreds of singles, and still no one for me here. <laughs> and that was my, that was my prayer uh, to God, and um, uh, just, like, I trusted God, and I prayed, okay, God, I don't know, maybe your will is for me to be single. I don't want that. Um, and, um, like, I, I felt like I, I was open. I was open to meet people, but in the church, uh, I, like, to meet brothers. I was open for anything God provided, and um, if someone said, oh, do you want to go on a date with that brother? Like, okay. Uh, do you want to go there? Like, okay. Do you want to register this on this group for singles on Facebook? Like, okay. Uh, and um, yeah, actually when I registered to that group, I prayed like, God, I don't know. Um, I don't want to move somewhere far away and so on. <laughs> But you provide, and if, if that will work, I'll be happy. Um, yeah, God provided, thanks to him. A little resume that um, if we don't see someone like here, it doesn't mean that God doesn't see him. Okay, uh, so my wife just informed me, dilemma number four is very similar to dilemma number three, so we're gonna skip to dilemma five so that we get done at a reasonable time. Number five, I don't feel safe going on a date with a random brother that doesn't have the Bible as the standard the same way I do. There are creepy brothers that make me feel nervous when they talk to me. So anyone that's had that experience or helped someone with that experience, Deborah. And then Uptons and Cece, if you guys can think about any of these so far. Any comments? I could have jumped on number three, too, in a, in a, in a big way. But as far as number three goes, I just want to say something really quick, because I've known Ricardo since I first came to Turning Point like eight years ago, and we only started dating like a year and a half ago, two years ago. So um, totally blindsided me, but that's entirely different. Uh, <laughs> for number five, um, I think I had been a disciple for maybe a year, and I went on a date with a guy that I had met a year prior to that um, with a, uh, I met him at a conference, and I was like literally like a couple weeks old spiritually. He came up to me at, at the end of a class, 
um, saying, hey, let, uh, we were at a dating class, and I was like, yay, I'm like a week old spiritually, and there's a brother asking me out, yay, this is awesome. Um, and he was, he made me slightly uncomfortable, but I'm like, okay, um, I'll go out, sure. And so I gave him my number, and it was, he would call me like once every two months or something and ask me to, if, to plan a date. And, um, it, it took him like a full year to plan this date. And so um, I was like, this is gonna be amazing, right? Um, this is gonna be this incredible, wonderful date. It's taken him a year to plan this. And it, it uh, he said that he would find, if, if I could find a sister to go with us, um, he would find a brother. And, and so I was like, okay, I feel like I need a really good wing person. So I brought my roommate. And so we met downtown and she at the time, uh, my roommate worked at Starbucks. And so his big plan was to take us to Starbucks. And it, so in, in terms of going on, on people that make you creepy, I, I just, in terms of that, I would say to take a wing person. That's where, um, find somebody who makes you really comfortable. I say, do it. They're your brothers or, and or sisters in Christ. They still need encouragement. Um, put on like your, your best behavior. The, the brother that wound up being her date, um, we, they started talking about sports in high school. She mentioned that she had been a cheerleader. He asked her if she still had her outfit. It was really, really awkward. Um, very, very painful date. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was very uncomfortable. Um, none of the parties involved were, are in this ministry. Um, yeah, it's, it's, um, God bless them, all of them, and I, I pray for them, but, um, take people you're comfortable with, make sure you have a double if they make you uncomfortable, uh, have a wingman, exactly, and, um, yeah, pray before and afterwards. Okay, uh, we have reached 9 p.m. Oh, man. Can you believe it? We're talking about the subject of dating, and you guys don't want it to end. That is a very good sign. We, if we got there, that's good. All right, so I would like to ask the audience, do you have anything you'd want to add to anything that was either shared tonight or just in general? Kim? Of course I do. Um, but I, I just wanted to just share, as I was listening to many of the singles and married share, I was so impressed by the depth of their love for God. Um, it, it's just, and, and I think as I was single and dating, that was really what drew me to a brother that I was dating. That, that kind of separated the men from the boys, as far as I was concerned. A man who really loved Jesus, loved God, was not willing to compromise anything on our date. I was very, very impressed. And I feel like that in itself, when, when um, I see some of the young married couples or some of the young dating couples, um, I, I, for myself, I, I didn't really, when, when Mike and I started dating, um, I was pretty impressed. In fact, I was speechless on our first date. And if you know me, I'm not often speechless. So, but, Honestly, I also had to surrender. I mean, in my worldly view, 
the guy I would marry was going to be six foot something and I could wear heels and everything else and Mike and I are the same height and it, it didn't matter. I was head over heels for him because his heart was so incredible and I feel like that's what we need when we come into the kingdom. That's what God will bless if we take off the expectations and all the stuff that the world teaches us and we learn to really embrace and love the heart of Jesus that, that God has put into that person. I mean, we've been married 30, 33 years and it has been an amazing ride and it's because of Jesus and the man who loves Jesus that I, and Michigan. <laughs> Amen, thank you, that's very sweet. But I think for me, it all comes down to Cain and Abel. When uh, Abel was killed and God was asking uh, Cain, where is your brother? And he asked God, am I my brother's keeper? And it kind of goes unanswered. Uh, but I, I always feel like there's a big pause, like it's obvious that you are. Am I my sister's keeper? Yes, brothers, you are. And we are 